This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to a very special post-Oscars edition of Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply. I am Katie Ritz, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here crouched in a hotel room wearing formal wear on no sleep with Mike Hogan, Vanity Fair's digital director. (laughs) Hey, Katie. And joining us from New York, where he got some sleep and it's morning there, is Vanity Fair's film critic Richard Lawson. Hello, and I'm also in formal wear, just in solidarity. Oh, good. (laughs) We expect that of you. Yeah. And through the entire day after the Oscars. So we all we were all on separate coasts, but watching the Oscars together. Mike and I are recovering from the Vanity Fair Oscar party, but before we get into any highlights from that, uh, let's talk about the Oscars. I think we all kind of failed in the end to correctly predict Best Picture, <laughs> but I think everybody did. Do, are we taking ourselves to task for thinking it was The Revenant when it wound up being Spotlight? I'm I'm taking myself a little to task because some other pundits that we know have been sort of patting themselves on the back and saying, I knew it would be spotlight back in September. And darn it, I knew it too. I said, this, I said that <laughs> after the first screening at Toronto and I didn't trust myself. So as happy as I was personally to see that win, I was also sort of like annoyed that I didn't, you know, you know, there's been a lot of talk about following your heart versus sort of using your head and when predicting these things. And I guess maybe a little more heart would have would have uh, done done me good this year. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you know, you're far from being alone, and it is a very unusual Best Picture winner. As uh, Pete Hammond pointed out when he joined us last week, the only film pre or the most recent film to win Best Picture with just one other win was The Greatest Show on Earth, not exactly like remembered as a classic. So, I think Spotlight only also winning screenplay is very unusual, but maybe it's just indicative of what a weird up and down year it was. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know that that the the awards were dispersed in a sort of very broad way. Um, is really indicative of how hard this was to call. I mean, every, almost every big movie got one thing, you know? Um, there wasn't, like, a huge pileup on one side. I mean, Mad Max, obviously, with six awards, all in technical categories, was the big winner last night. But, but yeah, but it was a pretty sort of broad slate of, of wins, which is interesting, but, it, you know, again, sort of foils us in the predictions game. Yeah, it's inter- you, like, look at The Revenant, and it won director and actor and cinematography, which are these three huge prizes, but it wasn't even nominated in screenplay, and there are all these ways in which it wasn't really eligible to take to take away a ton of awards. So even if that had won, kind of as the heavyweight, it still would have only had four Oscars, which is not that many anyway. Yeah, I mean, when, when Mad Max won a million awards... 
including some that weren't predicted. I think America didn't know that Mad Max was expected to win all those technical awards. And so you saw Louis C.K. at one point joking that they won. I can't remember what category it was. I think documentary short. Documentary (laughs) short. And so people started thinking, oh, man, like maybe this would be Mad Max. And I didn't still didn't think it was going to be Mad Max. But you did start thinking, well, Revenant doesn't have that many awards leading up to Mm -hmm. Best Picture. Especially leading up to Best Director, I thought, I don't know. I could see it not being being Inuritu here. But it was. They split it up. Spotlight. Yeah, only one other Oscar. But I think that the thing that we talked about, I'm glad we had that conversation the other day about how preferential balloting works because I really do believe that that is how Spotlight won by being – a lot of people's second choice, right? It was it was not necessarily the overwhelming kind of cinematic sweeping thing that makes everybody say, that's my favorite movie of the year. But it was the kind of thing where if you liked Brooklyn or you liked Bridge of Spies or something, I, th- I do think it was likely to be your number two. And I, that that is probably... And we, if you don't know what we're talking about, you just have to listen to the last episode because it's too complicated <laughs> to explain again. Go catch up on a full season's worth of this podcast. It's all about yeah. Oscar season. Yeah. Catch up from here. I also think Spotlight is the kind of winner that history can't look badly upon. Like, it's a very good movie. It's very smart. It's thoughtful. It's made by talented people. You know, the director previously made The Cobbler, but... It's uh, it's something that really is going to hold up well, I think. And The Revenant seemed a little bit trickier in that way. Kind of in the way that the worm turned on Birdman. You could see it really turning on The Revenant. And maybe now Enyurichu doesn't get quite the backlash he would have if he'd, uh, if he'd done Best Picture twice in a row. But he did do Director twice in a row, so we'll see. And I wonder also if there's anything to be said for the fact that in a very controversial year when the Academy took a lot of licks... Um, you know, for the, the problems of diversity. Spotlight was sort of an incontrovertible uh, political movie, but sort of with with something that everyone can support. You know, the last award of the night goes for something that feels very righteous. I wonder if that played any part in in sort of voting decisions, you know, to, to try to get a little bit of uh, goodwill back on, on the Academy's side. Who knows? Or, yeah, or even that the Oscar so white thing occasioned a little bit of soul searching and people thought we can't just give it to a big blockbuster that doesn't have any weight right it's funny that gaga we could talk about some of the upsets it was funny we all expected lady gaga to win best song and it didn't and yet on the other hand her moment with all of those uh, sex abuse survivors was probably the most powerful thing of the whole night. I mean, at first I thought, what the hell is this? But by the end of it, you know, people were weeping, and I actually believe they were serious and not just faking it. Yeah, it was really striking, and I I found myself wondering, because, you know, shortly thereafter she did not win, as expected, I was wondering if if people in the audience were like, oh, shit, we should have, I should have voted (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) And the song sounded better to me in that performance than it ever had before. Yeah, she did something different with it. I was surprised they gave it to Sam Smith. I don't really know. That was just unusual. Uh, well, it's it, it's uh, well. Bond songs didn't win until Skyfall did, so this is kind of an unusual that two no. Bond songs in a row have now won the Oscar, and uh, it wasn't the popular song. I mean, The Weeknd had a hit. Lady Gaga has won this role, as we've all talked about. Like, it definitely was not. If if anything was going to beat Lady Gaga, I think we all th- thought it would be The Weeknd. It's yeah. funny because we were in our um, war room at the VF Oscar party in the back doing the Oscar coverage, and Tyler Oakley, the YouTube star who was doing our videos threatened to walk out because I said that uh, The weekend should beat Lady Gaga before the award was announced. Oh, man. <laughs> he was really upset, as was Jeffrey who, uh, T- Towsey, who does our social media. So I didn't even realize what the passionate... I guess I somehow didn't realize. I mean, I knew there was a lot of like Gaga fans on Twitter, 
But um, in that, even in our little room tonight, there were a lot yeah. of people who were like way in the tank for her and for that song, looking for that Oscar. I so. guess her Oscar's down the road somewhere. Yeah, now. she. I know. You you said right before she's, <laughs> she's like gonna she's EGOT. definitely going to EGOT anyway. I know. Not this yet. Got a little ahead of the game. You guys probably missed it uh, while you were busy with the party stuff. But Sam Smith's speech about being maybe the first gay, openly gay Oscar winner, which is not exactly accurate. Not very accurate at all, really. a bit of a Twitter war that uh, I will not, I'm not going to want to air anyone's dirty laundry on this podcast. But if you're curious, you can look it up on Twitter. There is uh, some controversy roiling in the gay world right now. Um, all spark, oh, wow. All yeah, I believe, uh, I believe a openly gay Best Original Screenplay winner spoke up. Is uh, this, yeah. is this mm-hmm. what I missed? <laughs> in quite very uh, interesting. startling fashion. But anyway. Yeah, Sam Smith proved the value of maybe fact-checking your, uh, your statements before you give an Oscar speech, but... Well, and also, I mean, I don't want to wade into something I shouldn't wade into, since I haven't slept in uh, 24 hours, <laughs> but her fan base is heavily gay, right? So it's not like she, it's not like he beat some macho option there. That's right, yeah. And and, and arguably her movie, uh, or the, the movie that her song was in, speaks more to certain you know values and sort of uh, political concerns than Spectre does. <laughs> yeah, I think that does not seem controversial. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how about all those uh, crazy Mark Rylance fans who were starting Twitter wars after he walked away with supporting actor? That was crazy, right? Yeah, who knew? Um, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I, I got it. I was I was really ambivalent about that because on the one hand I did like the narrative of Stallone getting this kind of career Oscar. He did look visibly, you know, kind of disappointed when when his name was not read. But on the other hand, I love Mark Rylance. I've seen him in a few plays. He's great. I loved him in Bridge of Spies, and he gave a nice, gracious speech. So I was happy for 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 that, and I was also happy frankly, to have a surprise during a broadcast that it a, a few times felt sort of, like, expected. Yeah, yeah and, and they had saved support. You know, usually they do supporting actress and supporting actor early in the night, and they had saved supporting actor for later, I think anticipating that Sylvester Stallone would win. And then it was kind of fascinating to see, you know, little Mark Rylance walk up there. And he's someone who's, you know, he's the theater actor. I'd be like, oh, you know, he'll win his Oscar. He won't care. He'll walk away. But, you know, to, I guess, a vague name drop, he was at the Vanity Fair Oscar party very late into the night holding his Oscar, looking delighted. So okay. he seems to be enjoying the moment as much as you would hope anyone would. Well, and and he came in to get his picture taken from Mark Seliger in this portrait studio that we do. And I happened to be in there at the time. And I said to him, hey, we were disappointed. We were hoping for a poem from you tonight. <laughs> oh, good. You brought it up. And he said um, something like, that would have been too obvious. Uh, so anyway. Uh, full of surprises, that Mark Rylance. Well, look, he's a theater actor. And if nothing else, his quote just went up by a lot. So so he has a yeah. lot of reason God, to celebrate. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll watch him like being, I guess he's playing the big friendly giant in Steven Spielberg's next movie. And then watch him not make another movie for five years and just do Shakespeare because he can. Right. Because exactly. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, the the thing that I think surprised me most about Stallone, and you know, the uh, the diversity topic was huge with all the presenters. Chris Rock talked about it a lot. Shelburne Isaacs talked about it. I think there were you know other presenters who I even missed, but it wasn't reflected in the awards really at all. Like you didn't see them trying to give something to Sylvester Stallone to honor Creed. Straight out of Compton didn't win the screenplay prize that it could have. You know, you had wins for Ritu and you had like you know people of color winning in the technical prizes and the short films, but. There definitely there wasn't as much of an attempt to make up for it in this year as I thought there could have been, which to me seems pretty wise. Like that's not really going to fix anything if you do it that way, right? You know, I think we, you know, it, I think we'll start to notice real concrete results. Hopefully, you know, 
this coming year in movies and, and next year's award season. Let's already start thinking about next year, guys. Oh God! But uh, you know, but yeah, and I think you're right. Like, they're, I think they made up for, or they sort of atoned for, or addressed the issue in different ways. You know, that weren't you know giving out awards. Um, but I thought they did a good job. I mean, I think that obviously it was fortuitous timing that Chris Rock was the um, was the host, and he really didn't back down from the issue, um, which I thought was sharp. And I thought that that bit where he went to the movie theater outside Compton or in Compton rather, and and talked to you know, moviegoers uh, and sort of showed how there is this divide in terms of what people are seeing and, and what, what movies they're aware of even was, was really brilliant and also just sort of funny in a broad way. You know, I mentioned this to Katie, but he did that before. He did that the last time he hosted the Oscars and it was really hilarious and brilliant then. And uh, it was really hilarious and brilliant this time. And, and you know, we were talking. I'm just going to do this. It sounds like a name drop, but it's it's literally the person I was talking to about this. Anne Hathaway at the party <laughs> was saying that she thought Chris Rock was the best host in 20 years, uh, which is interesting coming from her because she's done it. And we were saying, you know, you couldn't have picked a better person to kind of address and and take some of the air out of this controversy. And it's just like, it is, as you said, incredibly fortuitous that he was the guy that they had lined up to do it. And and I think he did it really, really well. Um, yeah, I saw my Twitter feed really jump on this monologue and really like it because he addressed all of this stuff head on that people have been wanting to say. Richard, after that, how did it, how were people reacting to it? Did he, was he getting kind of criticized like every other Oscar host or did it feel like he kept up the pace? I mean, I saw some criticisms, definitely, but I think that, uh, yeah, I think people were mostly almost like it was kind of cathartic in a way to have to see Rock addressing these issues up, you know, just without any sort of adornment or, you know, he was just very direct about it. Um, I think that was really a relief to people. And so, you know, regardless of what bits they thought didn't didn't work, I thought the little thing with the kids who were supposed to be PricewaterhouseCooper accountants didn't really work. The Stacey Dash appearance was a very God, kind of funny, I'd small inside joke, but maybe quite, didn't quite play, you know, as big as it could have. But, um, you know, but I think so any little dings or dents in, in Rock's performance, I think, were sort of overlooked by the fact that he just kind of went for it um, on the on the important topics and uh, and people were sort of I think glad that it was addressed that the elephant was pointed at and referred to often and and then people could kind of you know enjoy watching the awards I love the uh, Girl Scouts cookies thing yeah yeah that I was thought cute. that was really cute yeah and I liked it when he told Lou Gossett Jr. he couldn't have any because he has diabetes <laughs> that's such a mean joke <laughs> yeah that was it's, uh, funny because it's true I guess <laughs> So do we feel like people were just kind of, like, glad to have gotten through these Oscars unscathed? Like, Chris Rock gave everyone the lambasting it deserves, and now we can move on? Like, are we are we happy this Oscar season is just over? Yeah, and I thought even the show, I mean, I don't know how you guys felt there, but I, I, I thought that um, it felt like it moved quickly. It felt like they were, spe- speeches were short. They were like, all right, we, let's do this. Like, we'll have, have a little fun, but, like, we're not going to linger on this. We're not going to have... You know, fourteen salutes to random things. We're just gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna keep going here. Awards, awards, awards. You know, and I thought that maybe that was part of this sort of almost sheepish quality that was surrounding the whole event, where they were like, let's just close out 2015 in film and look f- toward the future. You know, who's the one thing who got a salute that I was surprised by is all of a sudden I looked up and Andy Serkis had a whole montage that yeah. was going on just to introduce him presenting visual effects. And okay, a salute to Andy Serkis. Yeah, Why I can not? get behind that, and it was brief too, which was which was nice. Yeah, it's true. 
I mean, it still felt long. Like, it definitely ran till after midnight on the East Coast. But I guess that's just what the Oscars do. We can't expect well, otherwise. I thought that was very funny when Chris Rocks was like, it's late. It's infomercial late. <laughs> but what? why is it so long? Why can't they just, like, end it, like, bring it in under three hours? I just don't understand. they have 24 awards to hand out. Yeah. I really, I didn't like the ticker for the thank yous, like, especially because they did it for small people, but not for Leonardo DiCaprio and Brie Larson. Like, that seemed very unfair and kind of cheap to me. Yeah, the the the, 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 the thank you crawl did not really work. I mean, that was, you know, if you're going to do it, be consistent about it. But even if they had done it for every winner, it just, it felt very transactional or something. It was just, it just didn't feel, didn't, didn't sit right with me. I, I would be surprised if that came back. Yeah, it just made it feel like Leonardo DiCaprio was like, no, yeah. I'm not going to. I'm going to thank all the members of the Pussy Posse if I want to. <laughs> and he didn't. He said, I was holding out for a Pussy Posse well, shout Well, he out, said to my frankly. friends, you know who you are, which is like kind of yeah. what you write. And we all know who they are, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, uh, well, the report from, uh, from people who saw him inside the party is that Leo looked overjoyed. So I guess his long national nightmare is over. He was great. He was sitting at a banquette. <laughs> He uh, was surrounded by, I mean, people were just, could not be more psyched to see him there. A lot of people taking cell phone pictures of him. But he was very generous. He was handing the Oscar around, letting photographers uh, hold it and all kinds of stuff. So I think he wanted to come there and kind of take his bow, which is uh, well-deserved. So what else did you guys see at the party? How was it? I mean, I'm, uh, I've, I've seen pictures from afar, but I'm curious to hear what it was like on the ground. Um, shout out to uh, one of the Ex Machina visual effects winners who let me hold his Oscar, which is very exciting oh, for me. Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah. When you there's a lot of you know people who won in technical categories or with the shorts, and you see them there late into the night. They will hand you know they'll put their Oscar in the photo booth. They're very excited, and it's a it, it's I don't know it's really fun. It's exciting for me to get to see that up close. And I don't know if I'd asked Mark Rylance, he probably would have let me hold his Oscar too, because you know it's a it's the star of the show more than any actual person. Was it? His yeah, name? Rylance was there late. Um, Rachel McAdams was there really late. I got to see Alicia Vikander and Michael Fassbender dancing together. That was kind of... Yeah, that's like a unicorn right that there. That was pretty awesome. And uh, I got to meet a few former um, guests on this podcast, including Whoopi Goldberg oh, and Drew Goddard, the screenwriter of The Martian. Yeah, no, it was it was great. We had, we had all the big winners, but also um, and a lot of the nominees, but also like really major just celebrities like uh, Selena Gomez and Caitlyn Jenner Taylor and Swift. Uh, Taylor Swift and all kinds uh, of Timberlake uh, and Beale were there, right? I Timberlake yeah. and Beale were hanging out. They came into the portrait studio and and like hung out for a half hour in there. It was really fun. They were hanging out with Pharrell and Naomi Campbell and uh, Chris Rock was back there. It was it was a really good vibe tonight and. Uh, and just like a lot of kind of a lot of people in a very celebratory mood, which is all we want as hosts of that party. Yeah, I mean, and us saying that we were kind of ready to get the Oscars over with. It's still the Oscars, and you still get all of these people who you know won for best documentary short in the same room as Chris Rock, and everyone's kind of excited about both sides of it. It's a yeah, it's a celebratory mood one way or another. You know, it's not like a war just broke out like it did in two thousand three to have the party. So right, it uh. Yeah, it's it's still the Oscars, and I guess that's why we're still obsessing over it for uh, the, months on end. The spotlight crowd 
they had had a viewing party for the people who weren't at the Oscars, and that turned into a victory party. But a bunch of them came over late. I got to meet, actually, Mike Rosindis, the guy that Mark Ruffalo plays. And obviously, they were in very high spirits. They were, they were there late and hanging out and really excited. And I think everybody there frankly was feeling really good about spotlight that was that was a big theme of the night it was mm-hmm. like how great is it that that spotlight won so that's nice it was nice to see it's not every year that you get to have a a, a win that a lot of people feel good about yeah, for I, some yeah. reason i was going to say that in general you know aside from obvious controversies um surrounding the nominations the wins last night or tonight for you guys um were were great i mean a lot for mad max which we all loved a big win for spotlight you know like i thought there was a lot of exciting stuff um, brie larson was fantastic in room and was justly rewarded for that you know so there was a lot to celebrate which i think is um may, was maybe a fact that was perhaps a little bit overlooked here and there but well how about ex machina you know yeah. I, I saw john yeah. hodges from a24 and he was celebrating a24 was celebrating three they were hoping to get two with amy documentary and uh brie larson but to have ex machina beat star wars and mad max for visual effects i mean they were they didn't even know they didn't even understand but they were so psyched <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, 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 when they won, they looked like, wait, what? Like they, <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. I think I definitely let out, like, an involuntary shout because yeah. nobody predicted it. But who can argue with that? Like, when you have visual effects like that that are made on a fraction of Star Wars's budget, like, I'm no visual effects expert, but I like seeing something like that pulled out of the pack and rewarded. Absolutely. And, you know, and yeah, and, and Mike, like you said about A24, I mean, they got a nice big thank you from, from Brie Larson on the stage, which, so that was a great, it was a great night for them. And I also liked that Brie Larson thanked the Telluride and Toronto Film Festivals. I thought that was Yeah, that I liked that cool. too. Yes. Yeah. She really, she was a class act through this whole thing and managed to kind of do the campaigning without, I don't know, without it ever looking sweaty. Although, I gotta say, like, I watched Halle Berry's Oscar speech a couple days ago, and I really miss it when people cried when they accepted their Oscars. Like, (laughs) Brie and Leo and Mark Rylance is obviously very... Everyone seemed very polished and kind of... Not that they were expecting it, but they were very composed. I I really wanted to watch someone really lose it. You know who would have cried? Stallone. Yeah, oh man. I think Stallone would have shed a tear. Yeah. That would have been a that would have been good. See, now we're thinking of what could have been. <laughs> what Can might we get Stallone into next year's Oscars? Well, there's, always, there's always Creed too. Now, I mean, that's the thing. He's just gonna keep <laughs> yeah. going until. Yeah, and then if they don't Michael, nominate Michael B. Jordan for that, then we're really, uh, really facing some trouble. <laughs> right. Well, somebody at the party was saying that you know the Stallone thing came down to the late screeners that didn't get him you know eligible for SAG mm-hmm. or, or or at least didn't get him nominated for SAG. And then he also missed BAFTAs, too. And, uh, you know, that that may have been it, that little tactical, whatever you want to call it, error. So, you know, but I also think, frankly, that the Oscars can be snobby, you know. And, and, and these are people who really, really are big acting fans. And I think that they may have thought, well, somebody who's a really legendary British thespian versus you know guys made a bunch of action movies like that's the kind of move that when it happens you're like of course the academy did that yeah. like it wasn't yeah. it was only surprising based on all the excitement that we had after the globe win i think hindsight becomes 2020 it's like oh we thought kate winslet might win come on that was crazy <laughs> yeah. it was always yeah. alicia vikander and yeah 
that just becomes history for for what it's worth. I think the Rylance win was also maybe a, a nod to, to Bridge of Spies as a broader film, which, you know, and I just read something this morning that, that this is only the second time an actor has won a, an Oscar from a Steven Spielberg movie. Uh, Whoa. Which is crazy. First wow. being Lincoln? Yeah, Lincoln was the first one. Wow. Yeah. That's really surprising. Wow. So, yeah. and, you know, there was a lot of, you know, the cut, cuts to Spielberg when Rylance was giving a speech. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah, we liked your movie. We like you, Spielberg. Here's this. You know, go go celebrate. Like, that's it felt a little bit like that, which is fine because the movie is good. So Spielberg's got another yeah. best director win in him. I see, I see it coming. Yeah. Well, for the BFG, um, maybe. We can, we can probably wrap this up and all of us go get some sleep and rest. Um, but before we do it, every, who's got a, everyone just pick a favorite win from the night. Anything that felt particularly worthwhile? I feel like I want to pick Mike's for him and say it's a bear story winning best animated short, which uh, we didn't actually predict, but Mike did a literal victory lap when that happened. I did jump out of my chair and run around the room. <laughs> Good. Good. And only because I actually picked it. Um, you know, I thought it was, I thought I liked it, but I, that time I was really doing, putting my Oscar strategy hat on. And thinking they're not going to go for any of these other movies. <laughs> well, I was hoping they wouldn't go for the Pixar one, not because it wasn't good, just because it's Pixar. It would it would just be confirming what everybody already knows. Whereas this one, you were kind of elevating something interesting, creative. Yeah, I like that one. I like the Ex Machina one, one too a lot. And Spotlight. I, those are my three. I, sorry, I took up all the good ones. No, no. Richard, what about you? Um, I was going to say um, I think her name is Jenny Bevan or Bevan uh, from the costume designer from Mad Max. Yeah. Uh, her win when she came up with this awesome like leather jacket that had this sort of some design on the back and 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 it was fun when you saw you know all those six awards won by Mad Max you just that you saw that it was kind of this really weird offbeat crew who of course made this weird offbeat movie and when a movie at the Oscars wins so many awards and you get a sort of sampling of what the you know behind the scenes people are like you sort of see the movie kind of take shape in them which is really interesting you know it wasn't a bunch of staid boring people it was a bunch of crazy australians and they made a crazy australian movie yeah and i think someone said like this is all from the mind of george miller like this crazy australian who wanted to make this like helped make all of this magic happen which yeah you know good for you know they won a boatload of oscars for their trouble so good for them um i'm just going to shout out to son of saul which was a heavy favorite for foreign language film and if it had lost probably would have lost a mustang which i also love but Son of Saul is my favorite movie of last year. It's hugely deserving. Just because it's the Holocaust movie doesn't mean it's the easy thing to nominate for Best Foreign Language Film. So I'm really glad that it uh, that it pulled it out and won. Go hungry. And I don't mind know? looking at Laszlo Nemish in a, in a tuxedo, I got to say. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy, uh, that guy can have a long career as far as we're concerned. Yeah. So I guess that uh, that does it for our special post-Oscars episode. This is not the end of Little Gold Men. We are... We're figuring out our post-Oscar strategy. There's still lots of awardsy stuff to talk about and movies. And once we return and we're all back on one coast, we'll figure out exactly what that's all going to look like. But uh, thank you in the meantime for listening. I hope you enjoyed the Oscars as much as we did. We're all on VanityFair.com. We're all on Twitter. I think you know where to find us at this point. And uh, we'll uh, we'll check back in and talk to you more and you know maybe post-mortem the Oscars some more. God forbid talk about the 2017 Oscars soon. In one way or another, we'll be talking to you soon. Well, get some sleep, guys, and uh, congrats on a great night and a great party, and uh, you know we'll see you back in New York soon. Thanks. Thanks, Richard. See you, see you soon. This episode was produced by Sam Dingman and edited by Tim Einenkel, and thanks as always to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer at Panoply. You can find this and many more great podcasts at panoply.fm.
Know that fizzy feeling you get when you read something really good, watch the movie everyone's been talking about, or catch the show the internet can't get over? At the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast, we chase that feeling five times a week. We talk about the buzziest movies, TV, music, books, and more. From lowbrow to highbrow to in between, catch the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR.